If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. Hmm. Uh, so what do you do? That's the great question. <laughs> what is the long-term effect of too much information? Hello and welcome back to the Wine Jar Cynics Podcast. I am Dio. We are coming back from a very delicious Brazilian barbecue meal. You know we like our steak. Sipping wine. You know what? They're gonna keep. So, they're gonna notice that. Wait a minute. You guys sponsoring? You, you guys might. You guys might feel the vibe. You guys sponsored? Yeah, we're pretty. We're pretty chill. You guys sponsored the, the barbecue and wine vibe. So just we we like the finer things <laughs> on a budget. We actually were in Brazil for the barbecue. <laughs> yeah. We just flew back. We did it big. Yeah. Oh, uh, we roll. We're pretty rich. I want to give a shout out, by the way, to uh, Spain, Spain and Dallas. Still, I've, I've noticed you guys are still hung on, even though, you know, sometimes we miss an ep- well, we missed an episode a few like last week, <clears throat> two weeks ago. Who? So thank you. Um, you were on Rumble, Bitchute. We're going to have some exclusives there soon. A lot of uh, tech cynicism stuff. We're on the YouTube for now, too. We're on YouTube, but, and there's, I mean, comment if you want. <laughs> there Eventually, are, we'll be there, but we're not going to show our face. We're going to wear masks. They'll, they'll see it. You'll see. Yeah, they'll yeah, see. Yeah, it'll, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. It'll Thanks be cool. to the India guy who cool commented on our, uh, our <laughs> oh, video. Oh, what yeah. Was, what was his name? Gotam, I think. Thanks, shout out, Gotam. Shout out to Gotam. This one's for you, bro. I hope we got your name right or else. <laughs> Correct us. He's, he was on the stoicism video. Anyway. um. Oh, I have a question. Who who is saying that quote at the in our opening? What quote? The the too much information. Oh, Denzel. Oh, Denzel. Denzel. I thought Washington. it was Denzel. Is yeah. it from a movie or an interview? An interview. Yeah. Which interview? Well, they asked it him. It's like a red carpet interview, I think. I th- that's what I thought. I wasn't sure. Like these are a lot of things that I w- I suspected, but I wasn't sure because there's another guy out there that kind of sounds like Denzel, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other other episode. Information overload. I mean. I, I, I don't want to get into that tangent, but the demoralization of society can happen with a lot of information overload. Yeah. That's some. That's an interesting aspect. Um, uh, let's yep. start with the topic because we, you know, we. I'm trying to not to make these intros too fluff because I've noticed on YouTube people click away if we um, don't actually get to the topic right away. So today's topic is the romanticism, the era of romanticism. It's a movement versus neoclassicism. So we're going to talk about the history of it, then we're going to have a diatribe, like always. So just essentially rant and discuss the topic. So this is the um, epigraph. Hope is the illness of romantics and doubt is the illness of cynics. So this topic is to compare and contrast two important movements. I believe that somewhat they somewhat exist in the political or ideological spectrum, you know, even today. So... This is not the complete history of the movement, but it's more of a, a philosophical and ideological comparison. Um, cla- classicism has had a second comeback, and it traces back to the Renaissance. Again, we want to do an, an episode on the Renaissance and Hermeticism eventually. So part one will be background. Part two, we discuss and debate. And oftentimes, I believe there's two types of people. There's kind of the romantics and the the cynics. So the the optimistic people and then i guess the somewhat of the pessimistic people 
and I'm talking about you know modern cynics, not old the cynics. There's a difference, um, and there is something to learn from both. I, I think on both spectrums and the uh, ideological uh, spectrum. So let's start with romanticism. Romanticism was an artistic, literary, musical, and intellectual movement that originated in Europe towards the end of the 18th century, and in most areas was at its peak at the approximate period from 1800 to 1850. Um, it's also an attitude. So romantic, kind of like cynicism, it, it's kind of a movement, an attitude, a philosophy, a ideology. Uh, romanticism is an intellectual orientation that characterizes many works of literature, painting, music, or architecture, criticism, and history, historiography in Western civilization, like I said, during the 18th to mid-19th century. And romanticism can be seen as a rejection of the order, uh, the precepts of order, calm, harmony, balance, idealization, and rationality that you know characterize classicism. In general and late 18th century neoclassicism in particular, it was also to some extent a reaction against the Enlightenment and the, and the 18th century rationalism and physical materialism slash industrial revolution. Romanticism emphasized, and by the way, these are key things, the individual, the subjective, the irrational, the imaginative, the personal, the spontaneous, the emotional, the visionary, and the transcendent. But what does that remind you of? If I were to tell you that, all these aspects, those these characteristics. What? Yeah, I think so, and I think it's it's not a bad it's not a good or a bad thing. But to, go, to go through them again to an extent. At, to an extent, like specifically the subjectivity, where things are subjective. The individual, the subjective, the rational, the imaginative, the personal, the spontaneous, the emotional, the visionary, and the transcendental. But uh, you know what's funny? I know a lot of people don't like Jordan Peterson, right, for whatever reason. But he was talking about the um, psychiatric profiles that tend to be in people who um, are big businesses. They say that people who tend to be um, these startup companies tend to be liberal, actually. And that's characteristic because of Google, you know, mm -hmm. their their leadership is mostly liberal. Um, most of these big tech companies, including Twitter. So I, I think that gets into a different thing, though, because I think yeah. I think again that the concept of liberal in a lot of these bigger tech companies really formed up was different than it is now. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I I think that there's I think that the liberal mindset does have a lot to do with subjective. This well, with this romanticism and but. I think that errs more towards the classical liberal philosophy. And what, again, I think what you have with the further left, which I different personally, I differentiate between a liberal and a leftist. And I think a lot of, these, yeah, I wouldn't <clears throat> say, yeah, I think a lot of these bigger corporations, they got pushed towards leftism based on social and financial pressures. Um, or, you know, the, the fear of financial pressures, but definitely social ones. And I think that well, I think their investors think think it's trendy as well. Well, definitely, and and I think that that, but that's to everybody more to the social ones because the heads of the companies at this point they definitely believe the stuff that they're making decisions on. But this is my problem with the romanticism and the left is that the romanticism, whatever you really think about it, what you have currently, I feel personally, is almost a shadow or a hollow imitation of that romanticism. 
Like we were talking about. Yeah, and by the <clears> way, I don't want to. This is not to trash left. I think these ideals are good to a but, certain but extent. This is, I don't think they're authentic on the left. Yeah, right they're now. not. They're because a, like a, the the concept of individualism is the big one. There's a perceived desire to be special and individual, but there's also a massive emphasis on collectivism and social pressures. Yeah, it's strange. It's almost like how do I say it? Um, well, it's, it's not authentic. It's um paradoxical almost you have these people who want to be rampantly individualistic but at the attempt to be individuals they become collective and they're it's kind of like the hipsters they hipsters really really want to be special and they buy their craft beers and they have these weird haircuts but they all end up being the same in the attempt to be individuals which is an interesting concept yeah i i've thought about that a lot actually i don't really understand why yeah, it's strange. Whereas, like, the new counterculture seems to be people, like, at least they're fringe. People who tend to be, I guess, sort of... Wait, let's get on to... Let's finish romanticism before we talk about the neoclassical and the contrast in modern era, because I think we're going to stay on <laughs> romanticism. Um, among the characteristic attitudes of romanticism were the, were, were the following. A de- deepened appreciation of the beauties of nature, a general exaltation of emotion over reason, and over and of the senses over intellect, a, turn, a turning in upon the self and a heightened ex- examination of human personality and its moods and mental potential potentialities, a pre- preoccupation with the genius, the hero, and the exceptional figure in general and a focus on his or her passions and inner struggles. There's kind of a... Let me, let me jump in real quick. Do you think there's, there's kind of a, a parallel almost? Well, I, I think you're setting up... No, no, I think they're setting themselves up for failure there, actually. So if they have a really strong emphasis on the subjective, but also there's a deep emphasis on emotions over logic. And then, no, I, this I, is, I, yeah. I know, but I mean... It, I think combination? Yeah, both those things are something that the movement like prided themselves on that's setting yourself up for big problems. Well, when I say, okay, when they talk about fa- facts over logic, I think no emotions over. Facts. Yeah. Uh, emotions over facts. Yeah. I think it's in regards to art because you know, no, no, no. Art's just an expression of that social yeah. movement. But I mean, it's, this is, this is something, again, I'm not trying to bring it too much to the modern day, but this is in the roots inherently a problem. If everything's subjective, and you're placing an emphasis, if we, and therefore we're taking an emphasis away from, you know, logic, which should be objective, right? And we're putting an emphasis on, on Im- personal emotion. You're setting yourself up for failure because everybody's going to be led by these emotions and they're going to feel that there's, without rationality or logic to kind of keep that in check, it's just going to run rampant. Subjective emotion, is what's leading is what's leading the movement at logically that point. speaking yes yeah <laughs> it's <what> yeah. <laughs> all right I, i'm gonna move Unwelcome. on <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna move on a new view of the artist as a supremely individual creator whose creative spirit is more important than the strict that adherence than the strict adherence to formal rules and tra- traditional procedures an emphasis upon imagination as a, go- a gateway to transcendent experience and spiritual truth an obsessive interest in folk culture, national and ethnic cultural origins, and the medieval area, uh, era, and a predilection for the exotic. So it led to Nazis. If, if you, <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, that's the weird part about it. This is, but remember, romanticism, you know, this is in the 1800s. Folk culture of socialism? Yes. Like it's, yeah. it's possible. It's, it's Wait, did I, is that what it's, it's, folk, it's, a, it's a fantasy. Folk it, culture. Of, of 
of anything. I think it's just like, what was it exactly? But just what's the myth? The, the mythological yeah aspects of a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, folk culture, national and ethnic cultural origins in the yeah. medieval era and a predilection dilection for the exotic, the remote, the mysterious, the weird, the occult, the monstrous, the diseased, and even the satanic. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, well, well, that, uh, yeah. what it would be at the time. Well, it makes sense because people were interested in, and in, 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 that's yeah. Norse paganism. Well, you, you, mm-hmm. see, you see that now, too. But, but not, it's different. It's not on the left. It, they've separated. I think it. Hap- I think they just shifted. It depends where because, then, like targeted, for example, it's the same, same kind of format. Well, it's the sa- they have the same origin because you see people who are looking for, like, fulfillment in a deep spiritual aspect today. They're definitely different, not necessarily different than people on the left. They're not exclusive. But there is mean, some you're overlap. Talking specifically, like spiritual. Well, well that's, that's, that's like the worst. The, the weird thing about that's that's the weird thing about but comparing it to modern yeah, day. I, you know why? I would because argue they shifted it to ideology. Because, for example, a lot of um, the religious and made the religious a, 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 a lot yeah. of the left tend tends to be atheist. Well, but they're religiously atheist. The relig- yes. And what I mean by religiously atheist is because it's trendy, and they haven't it, and they haven't like naturally become an atheist because. In, they, a, in an obsessive manner. Yes. But that's like they preach atheism. That's what's weird about it. Like yeah. if you were truly atheist, then you would be pretty much unmoved by if somebody else believed in God. Yeah, you wouldn't. But there's definitely a militant atheist. There's a, almost a religious atheist where they like have missionaries to go out and preach about atheism. Well, some of them believe religion is just evil. Yeah, but then they end up becoming their own worst enemy. That's well, the problem exa- with people. And that's exactly the point. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people end up doing that. If you hate something but enough, you. I know some people. No, but I think a lot of them. I used to be not a militant atheist, but I. Used, but, but I used to. How do I say it? It's like um, they're not saying evan- evangelical atheist. No, no, I would say that I just <clears throat> I didn't care. I didn't care much for it, as in like I didn't see the value in it. But now I see a lot of the value in it. A lot of it is traditional, keeping traditions alive, keeping people together, community. Well, and it's it's and ethics. I think, yeah, it's ethics, ethics and, and morality. When you get, I think when you're young, you don't care about that. I think for the people who tend to be militant atheists, a lot of them maybe they, I don't want to judge people, but maybe they, they don't have many friends. Be- I don't know. No, no, they no, do. No, they no, do. No, 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 no. They have communities Actually, of this I, stuff. I know one girl. She's she's yeah. She definitely has a lot of friends. <clears throat> yeah, She's maybe. Like no, super, it's. Super I, I think a big part of it. No, is but the, the, what I mean is they don't see the value in, in uh, community coming from religion. Does not that make f- sense? It's, it's religion that they have a problem with, not community. Yeah, it's, yeah. Then that's you. A lot of times, and I've heard this a lot. People who grow up in a really oppressive religious environment. No, no, because for example, my uh, my friend's dad will just. I'm, not, I'm gonna call him M. He's a militant atheist because he was really traumatized of what the Jehovah's Witnesses did to him. And that's they, they essentially traumatized him when he was young to, so, you know, so he can get it to 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 um, cr- install fear and social order but almost. Even other uh, and also religious you, groups think they're crazy. Well, not even that, but other yeah, if Jehovah's take, Witnesses are really rampant. The, the problem, he, yeah. the problem he, isn't that there's a God idea. Does the he problem, put it in that perspective though? Sorry. No. What do, what do you mean? Like that. Other people Jehovah's Witnesses is a, is a pretty extreme. I'd never, I'd never really asked him that. No, but to be like, oh, then Christians, but maybe back in the day they did, but like modern Christians uh, even now are pretty. Yeah, they've they've um, become very secular and modernized. Yeah, I mean some some churches they almost, accept they accept like, LGBT. I would say yeah, even say to that lot. point. I would say a lot. Yeah, even to that point. I mean, they literally bombed. What was it in California? They bombed a uh, church because they um 
they were um, not they not pro LGBT, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no one's talking about yeah, that. No one's talking about that. exactly consequences to. No, but I was saying if you if you go this like the militant atheist thing, they don't realize that the dogmatic control fear tactics don't necessarily have to revolve around the concept of God. Maybe I was talking about the Reddit atheists, the super super militant atheists. Some of those yeah, guys, they, I think they need. It does feel like I, they, I think they need friends. They blame the world's problems on religion. Well, and and they they do. Yeah. And the thing I, is, is that re- a religious mindset does not have to be related to theism. No. Like that's what I'm saying. A lot of people pull. A lot, like they call it the cult of social justice, the cult of feminism, yes. these things. You've heard these critiques, not because of the beliefs, but because of the way they're executed. Mm-hmm. The way that you are not permitted to talk, entertain other ideas. You're not permitted to talk to people outside. And if you are, you're shamed. You're shunned. Almost like Jehovah Witnesses, yeah. The yeah. shunning. Jehovah the shunning. Witnesses the shunning. actually shun, yeah. Yes. Which is just horrible stuff. And they'll shun you from your own family. I think that's the key. Too. Yeah, there's a guy called Chris Stuckman. It's, it's a cult. It's a cult mentality. Yeah. Do you know Chris Stuckman, the the guy who um, uh, reviews YouTube um, movies on YouTube? Maybe I've seen this stuff. So he I talked about this that he um, he can't even talk to his own father because the, the the church shunned him and they because he was excommunicated, you know, excommunicated. For those who don't know, because that's a uh, some Latin lingo. Kicked out. You're kicked out, yeah, and you all the services are barred from you. All the community, all I've the John Wick. service. Oh yeah, <laughs> excommunicated. No, no. What's what's bad though? Like, there's but yeah, he can't talk to his own dad or his mom. I mean, he can, but they won't. Like, no, they, they won't, won't let him. They won't. No, the the mom and dad won't talk to him because they'll get excommunicated. Yeah, they'll get excommunicated, and you'll, they can't talk to their own lot. friends. There's there's like husbands and wives, like where the husbands like I don't know about this, and like he'll get kicked out, and the wife is still in the church, and she's just and like that's bye. Cult, that's cultish. That's no, that is yeah. That's absolutely fucking cultish. But you see, and again, to take it to this, these other social movements that are not necessarily religion, this cult behavior, you'll see that too. You've seen articles like YouTube, YouTube radicalized my boyfriend <laughs> because of Ben Shapiro, and and so yeah, these people they're like, yeah, we used to just you know we're super into all these social equity programs, da da da, all that shit, and fucking. And, and like, he's like, I don't know. Ben Shapiro's got a point, and she's like, Oh my god, it's fucking over. And like I said, <laughs> a, Nazi. A, any from any side, political spectrum, idea, cult, religion. If, if it's cultish, it's I, cultish. It's cultish. It's cultish. That's I what we're saying. I want to see. I'm really weird point, but I almost want to see a girl pull that on me. What? That like? Oh, like don't ever say I'm like more like libertarian conservative, and she's like far left, and then just pull it out one day. Everything else is going perfect. But I just want to see, would she just be like, yeah, you're Nazi, bye. (laughs) This is over. How could you? It would be interesting. Yeah. Mm, Well, hopefully they'd be like, well, I guess you seem like a regular human. You know what's weird? I would hope. No, but but they don't. A lot of them don't. Yeah. They don't. A legitimate concern that they wouldn't. Again, uh, let's move to neoclassicism because we're, you know, getting at the time just so we can um, contrast contrast it. So, okay, let's... um, Neoclassicism was a Western cultural movement in the decorative and visual arts, literature, theater, music, architecture that drew inspiration from the art and culture of the classical antiquity. And essentially, neoclassicism is um, the Renaissance point two. I mean, there was two versions of it. The neoclassicism part one is the Renaissance. Part two is the reemergence of it in the 20th century. As a counterpoint almost to the romantic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot. The, we don't. I don't want to get into the historical reasoning behind it because we're talking about the. Just in broad social movements, the, one swung one way and then there's a but swing it the other. Tends way. to be that way though. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For example, the the Renaissance began because people it's a it's a rejection against the the dark uh, pessimistic view that people hold, held in the medieval times. Mm-hmm. That's why humanism, you know, it's like the book of the Dance of the Dead. Have you heard of that book? Where people um they um they started seeing the importance and living life, how the Romans did. That's humanism. Uh, but I don't want to get into that because that's Renaissance episode. We can talk about that more deeply. But it is it's a for every for every reaction there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's why movements begin. So it's an interesting process to see that contrast. There, there's always a movement and then a counter movement. Yeah, there was a movement and then a counter movement. And I think we're we're in a in a kind of a counter movement, you know, to this SJW stuff. There's There's a, no it's I there's, think there's two counter movements. There's the populist movement now, I think. No. Yeah, but they're, they're on, I I think I think I that there's too. there's a difference right now and that is that People have recognized this back and forth for a while, and I think that right now there's a concentrated effort to not let the pendulum swing back through various means. Okay, let's go. Well, let me let me get to neo. Let let me let me finish neoclassicism just so we can move on to this. There are a lot of elements that can define classicism, but in general, the movement is dominated by the search for perfect. for perfection, a sense of harmony, even between disparate elements and restraint meaning that things were ornate or beautiful for a specific purpose, not just for the sake of themselves. There were also elements of universality that played in with the artists and masters looking to involve a broad range of ideas and thoughts into their work. Classicism continued to influence Western art after the Renaissance and the classic influence in both the visual arts and architecture Architecture is still evident. And that's kind of in the U.S. you can see that, the neoclassicism in our architecture. That'd be a cool YouTube episode. Like, have you seen the mace, the 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 mace of the United States? It mm-hmm. looks a lot like the Roman, the Romans that they would carry it during the le- the, oh, the marches co- in the they, legions. They copied so much of that. Yeah, it's <laughs> but it looks cool though. It looks really, int- yeah. It's a a spin on an old favorite. The Capitol building. Yeah, Capitol building. All the arches, all vict- the victory exa- arches. Yeah. An understanding of human anatomy and realistic portrayal of the human form dominated Greek and Roman art. After the Renaissance, realistic depiction of the human form continued to have its place in the visual arts. Classic architectural elements are still visible today and are often seen in government buildings around the world. That's the crazy part. Even if it's in Asia that you have that Roman neoclassical, you know, it defined the 20th century in the modern uh, world. Interesting. Understanding the neoclassical movement. Neoclassicism is a specific art movement. Yeah, Again, it started in the 18th century. It was based on the belief that there are timeless ideals Timeless ideals. So, again, kind of parallel to traditional. I mean, I guess the conservatives of today. These ideas have lasted because they're not the preservation of ashes, but rather the carrying of the torch, like the family dynamics, things of that sort. At least that's how they portray, portray themselves. You know, some people disagree, but that's how each everybody portrays themselves in a certain, certain ele, uh, element. You know, the conservatives, I feel, are more, they see themselves as the, as the uh, inheritors of the traditional elements of the forefathers of the country, whereas the left sees themselves more as the, I guess, the progressives, the ones who move socially and... I think they see themselves as more of the, I think both of them see themselves as the spiritual um, that, yeah, heirs that's, of the torch, because I've, I've heard people... Arguments from the left that like no this is like they were pushing to new worlds they were progressives uh, you know I mean not so much now but I've heard this in the past where like you know there was a progressive 
spirit to the United States, and we are pushing that forward. We are the torchbearers to that. But the <coughs> but problem I, is, I, I think within the left, that voice is much quieter than it is other now. It, it didn't used to be. All I want to do, but I want to say one well, thing. Uh, go ahead. I want to say one thing before I forget. What uh, quote exactly from? I forgot, I forgot who said this, but he said that there's a reason why some of these things, some of these ideas, are timeless because they're not the preservation of ashes, but the the uh, kindling of a flame, a delicate flame. Certain things that are timeless and have longevity. You know, like certain, like for example, the archetype of the archetype of the hero. Um, there's many of these ideas in all human history, so it, it's not just one culture. You know, mm-hmm. that's just my idea. Yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but <laughs> no, I, I like that quote. Actually, I liked it the way you phrased it before. Not the kindling of the flame, but the passing of the torch. Yeah, I like that word. Mm. Because some people think, you know, this is the way I see some people on the left see kind of conservatives. They're you're preserving ashes, meaning you are preserving things that are old and that no longer apply to our society. And we are the progressives. We are moving society. We are the change. We are the, which to a certain extent, I, I guess I agree. But for certain so aspects, so much is actually things that have already been done before and just failed. That's. That's the thing. Yeah, that's why I said I agree only a little bit. Well, and and not even that. A lot. There's a good chunk of it that's straight up fucking regressive. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I, I mean, pretty that's, much that's I meant the, that's in a sense. Pro- it's yeah, regressive. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the problem. Is that a good example would be um, and even the stuff that seems new. It's not even new, really. No, no. you're going maybe further back. Uh, and and and, and to- yeah, for the people who are um, probably like, what do you mean regressive? Like, I, I'll give you one example. Is that for example? Um, you have these white only spaces for training and then you have the black only spaces. Remember, yeah. remember that? So That's they can teach them about their privilege. So they separate them. Yeah, there's places like that around here. The, the word is in called Portland, segregation. In Portland, Maine? Around here. That's why I said around here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I meant <laughs> yeah. The, the, word is, the word is segregation. Yeah. 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 And, and you, you know what's really funny is you can confront someone with that fact. There, there they, was, can, uh, they can argue for that. The whole safe space concept, and you can just say you you are a segregationist, it's, and they lose their fucking mind. And, and also, it's I want it's worse than that though. The I mo- also, you know the most recent one I saw. What was the most recent one? PTA meetings. So for I la- saw that. I saw that. Latin parents, uh, black parents, white yep. parents—they all have different times in meetings. Different nights, like they're different not allowed nights, yeah. to see each other or interact with yeah. each other. The parents, the parents are the kids. The parents are the kids. Well, and like okay, I also want to say that I don't think so. It's not a safe space. I don't want to lump all liberals in, and not even liberals, but the left that they believe that they that that they believe. Yeah, right. White parent go to one. Or if you have like a white parent and an Asian, yeah, they go to. No, because you you have you're getting articles that. But you remember they think Asians are so privileged, and because you know they do well social. Yeah, funny enough, I don't think Asians got their own. No, no, they're with the white people. They're with the white. No, no, really, they have said that that there is a hierarchy. No, what's really funny is that you have people that are going like there's articles you can read in like major publications that advocate against interracial relationships mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's absolute regressivism like it is that was a thing a while ago <laughs> a good long while ago and that's people, what we like people people died in the people and died, died over that <laughs> to, to make that go away and now you're just like yeah pretty good this yeah, is the problem what, have, what happened with judging pe- rights movement <laughs> judging people by the content of their character rather than their skin for example i believe when you are t- telling somebody they're privileged just because they're white or Asian, 
you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what what they've had to struggle for. You don't know how hard, how hard they've had to work or no. what they've been through, no. whether they have cancer or something. For you to say that they're privileged and you don't know who they are, that's a bold assumption. And I think that is... Well, I think that's where you have that's a... That's based off of and it's, what they look like. Yes, it's based of, on what they look like. A lot of people are you, having issues with it because of that. Like... You don't know me, but and, you're and, and, say and also, that I'm they, for example, when you like, fuck you, yeah. also when they see a black person, they say, um, what, "Oh, you look! Oh, look at you! You're so bigotry un- of soft ec- or low you're expectations. So, you're so. It's like you need to be helped. You're so underprivileged. It's like, no, I don't. I went to Harvard. Yeah, it's yeah, a, you know, it's like imagine the, the, that. So, the so, soft bigotry. It's of, so worse of, when yeah. it's a celeb. It's like you guys have maids and like when when butlers. when when <laughs> Oprah fucking Winfrey was telling me about how privileged I am. Yeah, it's like, like you. You're one of the most powerful. You have people humans. wipe your. You have people wipe your ass. I'm sure, just for the fun of it. You're one of the most powerful humans, not powerful women. You're yes. one of the most powerful humans in the world, and you're gonna tell me about my it's privilege. Like, you can't say that. Come on, <laughs> that's like yep. you're trying to piss off people. <laughs> yep. I mean, yeah, this is a, a very strange thing. What's going on with today? It's like, and again, it's, it kind of goes back to that episode when we were talking about. Um, the people who are yearning for meaning, like they want to be that change and they want to be, it's the hero architect archetype. They want to be the hero of their own story and they want to be warriors. So they create this crusade and that the crusade is the racial justice crusade that, you know, because I think, I guess I see the intent and it does sound moral, but, but they're it, not seeing the, ob- I almost don't blame them. It's not their fault. It's the system, the media, Everyone yeah, else, it's other factors. They're all calling again. They're calling. Uh, um, what's what's? And remember, in the romanticism, you know how when I was explaining, one of the biggest characteristics is that the rampant individualism, and almost it almost becomes narcissism at one point. Well, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, but it it becomes that, and that's why I mean it's corrupted. Like individualism corrupted it's, it's earned. Narcissism. you earned individuality individuality you don't just you don't just say me 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 you just you don't just become individual because you're, you're default and you're an individual you well know? you can't claim you individuality know? or individualism and then ask for fucking handouts and ask for the world to bend over backwards for you like being an individualist means that you fucking are fucking an individualist you do your own shit you make your own opportunities. And let me let me contrast again neo neoclassicism versus romanticism. Again, um neoclassicism is going to be I'm going to explain it. Emphasize structure, restraint and objectivity. Romanticism emphasized on imagination, emotion and subjectivity. Drew its inspiration from classical age Greeks and Romans. Romanticism drew its inspiration from medieval and baroque eras. Greek and Roman history, bravery, restraint, and courage were major themes. For the Romantics, nature, legends, and pastoral life were the major themes of Romanticism. Use the calm, rational tone, classicism. Ro- romanticism used a spontaneous, sometimes moody tone. And this is regarding the art, but I feel person- on a personal level, it would make sense too. Because again, again it was a movement too, and, and a, li- a literary movement as well. So the themes that they had in their... In their uh, in the literature, John, um, yeah, um, John Milton, Alexander Pope, Voltaire, John Dryden, Jonathan Swift, and Daniel Defoe. You know, there's some neoclassical writers. Then you have William Wor- Wordsworth, John Keats, Lord Byron, Samuel Taylor, Walter Scott, Percy Shelley, and yeah. If you want to read some of those different themes, and it's very, I think I want to say these are timeless things, but these are kind of they've existed for a, a, a while. I mean, at least the, the classical 
I mean, they've existed since the Roman times. It's, you know, that's two thousand over two thousand years ago. So there, you know, there is something. I mean, I guess were the classical fans. I mean, it is timeless. Some for a reason because they've. And again, that um, I think Jordan Peterson nailed the, the the head on this. I'm not saying that Western culture is superior or anything like that. I'm just saying that they're timeless because they've lasted so long. They've la- all, all these all some of these um, themes, philosophies. No, you can't claim that it's timeless just because it lasted long. Yeah. Because if there's other institutions that are keeping it. In, like that's an easy that's an easy argument what? to to tear up down. Well, no, but I'm not, lot, I'm not saying the, that they're not timeless. I'm saying that if that's a basis for them being timeless, it's not a, that's not a good argument. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't want like they have to have an intrinsic value. What of I mean, their own. Yeah, I just didn't want to go that route just because it would. Uh, maybe I, I think one of the things is that in some I of do the think longest lasting cultures across the globe, a lot of these values are represented. Yeah, what I okay, I wanted to I guess I wanted I didn't want to be so direct about it to say these I guess are valuable philosophical tenets because they have been observed in nature and some of them are kind of universal. For example, freedom, paris, parisia, freedom of speech. These are kind of that's why it's called humanism because these are human values. That's why I say they're timeless because they're universal for the most part. I think every human yearns for freedom to to a certain extent. Mm. I don't think humans are. I I, I don't th- I, I don't think I don't think I don't think humans want to be enslaved and under tyrannical uh, dictatorships. I I, mm, I don't I don't think they, they might be I, under tyrannical dictatorships, but I don't think people in general. But freedom is scary by, for some people too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that people. Like the the, peop, the mob, the people as a whole necessarily want to be as free as they say they want to be. I'm kind of a existentialist on this one. Like be, to be truly free is kind of a burden, and I think some people would rather not be burdened in that way. They they what want I mean, the illu- the illusion of freedom. I think a lot of people want the illusion of freedom rather than actual freedom. It's a matrix. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's a certain level of ignorance that. True, absolute. Freedom. I guess I'm talking about basic, basic freedom. Then, not like rampant freedom. Like, well, you don't, you don't want to be fucking oppressed. You don't want to. That's be, what. That's what I mean. Yeah, sure. That's what I'll, I'm I'll talking about. Like, people yeah. don't want to be oppressed, but like, if we start pushing out into like the absolute concept of freedom, no, we get, that's we start I mean, looking that's into radical, radical liberalism. Yeah, radical liberalism. No, eh. I don't think most eh. people like that either. I'm just talking about basic human rights, like freedom of speech, the right to the petition. A government. I think those. Are, I think most people. <clears throat> it sounds. It sounds kind of Eurocentric of me to say that. That's why I get. Uh, I don't want to. That's why I, I don't say it's the most valuable. You get what I'm trying to say. I don't want to make this too ethnocentric. But I. I don't know because you can make arguments the other way. I know that that's like places that employ a lot of censorship. They say things like that. That f- limiting freedom of speech is for the ultimate good. They have kind of a uh, you know the ultimate good model like. We limit freedom of speech so that violence can't erupt, and if violence can't erupt, then everybody is generally safe or happy and healthier. And it's not like we're limiting, you know, all speech. It's just stuff that's problematic to like the the, the way things are, right? And that's an argument that I think more and more people <coughs> are tr- are taking up. Actually, I think the problem is that it le- there is always when you give that much power to one source, there's always the threat of tyranny. 
It's a guarantee. Yeah. I mean, you, you it, it it's as much a law as as like the the theory of gravity is a theory, right? Like okay, it's we we can't say with an absolute certainty, but we can say with a pretty fucking big certainty that absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know. Mhm. And freedom of speech is the first line of defense that a people have against a tyrannical government. If you can't even crit- criticize your government without something happening to you, then you've already lost the battle. Let's critique um, some of the what are you of uh, the neoclassical ideas because I think we've done a lot on romanticism, but I don't think we haven't cr- we haven't critiqued enough because we're gonna I, think we're biased. If yeah, we don't. no, no I, I go, for, go through them again. No, no, there was one I wanted to say. It was it was the value something something about the value of something. Um, let me go back on that. Like, like something is not of value inherently. Be, like it's not beautiful because it's beautiful. It's beautiful because it fulfills some need or necessity or something. Oh, I think, let me just find that real quick while you guys talk. Um, I, I disagree with that. If that, if I'm reading that right, if I heard that right. I, let I don't me, get that. Like something. I think has, this, this sounds a lot. It sounds a lot like the Greek idea of beauty that it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, like there needs to be a utility to it. Ah, like there has you. to be a purpose for something to be good and useful. Without a purpose, then it is not good. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that things can just be. No, because that's like restricting creativity. Absolutely, and I, I think that that's a big criticism on neoclassicalism. Is uh is it restricts creativity a lot. And that was actually one of the problems with the Romans. Yes, yeah, dominated by the search for perfection, a sense of harmony even between disparate elements and restraint, meaning that things were ornate or beautiful for a specific purpose, yeah. not just for the sake of themselves. They yeah. were also elements of universality that played in with artists and masters looking to involve a broad range of ideas and thoughts to their work. Yeah, like I, I genuinely... <clears throat> the the. Not so much the Greeks, but the Romans definitely lacked a lot of creativity. They stole a lot of ideas, and they just did them more efficiently, right? And I think neoclassicalism kind of has elements of that. I think that the right has elements of that, definitely. I think that when you talk about, like, religion, religion's often seen as a, an aspect of the right, right? And even And we can even stretch that out. We were talking about cultish behaviors. Usually, if you see it on the right, it's usually in the form of a religious cult, right? Just to show we're not biased here. but And that still exists. You'll see that. But in, in the right, it's like the Renaissance led to this huge explosion of religious-inspired art, architecture, music, right? And then it's like people were like, okay, we're but, good. But they stagnated because they it's stagnated. like the Romans, yeah. they were very, they were advanced, but they had their limits. And that's why the Enlightenment came. Instead, instead of relying on what the Romans said, guess what? We're gonna create. We're gonna expand the frontiers of science and knowledge even further than they than they did. Because mm-hmm. at the at one point, you know the 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 church used to think that the, whatever the Romans said was gospel. Yeah. Right. Because they were such a great civilization. Aristotle was the philosopher. Even though yeah. some things that Aristotle said were not true, right? Yeah. He did make mistakes. There are certain things that. And but they they did do a lot of for for them being so old they did ha- get a lot of things right but there were some things that were not right and that's what they they filled in the the gaps the people in the enlightenment so those are I guess you know that is their limits I, I think that with, tra- with tradition there are some things you have to move past history I, I think that's a big that is a big vulnerability to people that 
there has to be adaptation. Well, when you, there has when, to be adaptation. When you're so obsessed with with where you came from that you you kind of deify the past, like that the 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 deification of and that is a criticism. You see people talk about Western culture and the great things of Western culture. Admittedly, a lot of good things came out of. I've heard people refer to it as the the combination of of uh, of uh, what is it uh, Jerusalem and Athens. Right, the the foundations of Western culture. Right, um, I think a lot of great stuff came from that, but it can't stagnate, and you can't put it on such a pedestal that it is beyond scrutiny. I don't think we should be dishonest about it. I don't think we should tear it down or discredit it, but it should not be beyond um, open scrutiny. And and you get that a lot. You get people who are just like, nope, things are great the way they are, and then creativity as a whole stagnates, and that's not good. There's a case for both. And I think the one timeless philosophical idea in Greece, probably the, and I think in Confucianism, they talk about this too, the golden ratio. There's an, never an excess. Nothing, yeah. never an excess. And I think that's the far right. Most like right people are just. Well, there you tend to be. No, blue- no, there's, there's not. I would say, I would say moderate, right? People are pretty, they're, they're I mean, that's how Trump's, um, he, he, that's, I think most of his base is that, but what, but we can't, we can't, yeah, we can't, ag- but we can't ignore um, QAnon. No, no, no. no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I like the, the concept of "Make America Great Again" was based completely on the post World War II like era of American, you know, the, prosperity. Yeah, which which really was well, is based on a lie. The industrial process, the industrial power, which we were an industrial power, not because we were American, but because the rest of the developed world was in well, they crumbled, shambles. Yeah. And so that's why we did it. It it couldn't have lasted. We were at the right time, right place at the right time. We were, you know, a continent very far away between two weak countries, Canada and Mexico, and the sea. Yeah. Geographically blessed. Yeah. And and we we thrived, but it couldn't last. Like, eventually the rest of the world will rebuild. We'll start, like, capitalism forces outsourcing. I want to give the Germans some, some, um, they've been... Really good at engineering and creating things and products for a long time. Now, fuck the DOS auto shit. Man, no, no. Oh, that's a myth. Not just that. Nanotechnology, me- me- medical. I mean, they created Pfizer. I'm not saying that they didn't do anything. I'm saying that they they played the game, too. <laughs> like, fuck DOS auto. Oh, yeah. I don't like DOS autos. Because um, it's a myth? Yeah. <laughs> it's a well-marketed myth. It's like diamonds. Yeah, it's super valuable. This is the best cars. Well, no, no. Think? I'm talking about specifically the me- me- medical robotics and things like that. Sure. And um, yeah, they maintain that. I'll give them that. Yeah, no. Like for example, remember Todio was gonna do um an internship at the nanotech lab. All the all of the machinery was from Germany, in Austria. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a big deal. Those are super sophisticated, and they're in a different frontier in nanotech. Um, no, they they caught up, and and the 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 post war prosperity it could never last. And I think a lot of conservatives. Specifically in this, they, they kind of romanticize the past. No, they absolutely do. Yeah. and you get that a lot of the when people talk about like the flyover states and and the fifties prosperity mid, well, and all middle, that middle white white America. Oh man, America's not like it used to be. Well, yeah, no shit. Did you think you were going to mine coal forever? And I'm sympathetic towards the coal industry. I don't think we should just shut it down or close jobs or any of that shit. But like, these are finite resources. You're not just going to be running the world forever. There needs to be change. And when there's not change, that's when you see economic and social decline. 
which is what we have in a lot of these places when they talk about I think the adva- advancement that's all well we'll that's just change I mean me- when they talk about when they talk about like the forgotten you know white middle America right that's that's an argument the right has the the coastal elites have forgotten about them. I think that there's truth to that because definitely people on the coast are horrible to them. We talked about this on the last one. And then we what we talked about that is kind of normalized. They call them inbred hillbilly rednecks, and not, yeah, it, it and is socially acceptable. But but there's there's Which some is, of it's is, on them. You know, it's kind of wrong, even though like for a, a group of people who talk about pulling themselves up by the bootstrap so much, they have not done a lot of that. Now I'm not saying there's not shit stacked against them. I'm not saying that they're not getting, you know, the finger pointed at him for all the ills of, you know, the American people. Sure, it's unfair and it's not helping anything. But at the same time, they're also generally conservative. They're generally the ones saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And they have not adapted because they're still holding on to this concept, this idea of America the Great, which only lasted for a very short period of time. And so I think holding on to that, that, nostalgic image of the past is not doing them any favors at all. And I, I think there's many, many countries that, that um, they're too enamored by the, it's good to be enamored by your history, but also don't get, don't stay in the past because there are people like, for example, the, I Turks who are like, Oh, Ottoman empire. Right. There are people, they're, they're the Greeks. Oh, the ancient Athenians and the, the, the um, Lacedonians. And, or you have the, um, the Italians talking about the Romans or you have the Chinese t- talking about the the great dynasties of the past. All that is good. All, those, all that is great. But I think, and that's why we talk about the romanticism. Uh, I guess there there should be some kind of prog- progressivism in that aspect. I never so much thought of them chasing that specifically. I mean, the idea of it's good, but I'm not sure that's what. I didn't get the feeling that that's what they were. What do you think? Call back that they were enamored by the history of the. I felt it was just more, in terms of education, it's more traditional education. What do you mean? Getting back to learning like real world things you can apply, skills, trades, that sort of thing within the education system. Germany ha- does that really right. You they have the Fachhochschules and I they have. I, I don't, that's what I always felt. Really? Like getting back to kind of the. I, it's I. Not, I personally don't feel like there's any shortage of opportunities for trades in these places. I just think, but I think there is there is sort of a stigma though against it that is. Oh no, that, but that's that's unrelated. That's 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 a whole separate. Yeah, that's thing. a social that's, thing. That's being, yeah, yeah, it's being righted right now. Like there's a big push for the trades right now. But in terms of like the middle white America, I I, I disagree. I definitely think that people I've talked to like that's one of their. Oh man, everything's changing. Like that's one of the reasons. Like why they're being accused of like xenophobia, which I don't think they're xenophobic. I think no, I think there's just um, people. They tend to like the familiar the familiarity of things. And I, I think conservatives, almost by nature, overly stuck with the the need for familiar. I, I think they're very resistant to change, and I think that's not doing. And that's where creativity is greatly diminished and limited because of that. Their own options are very limited because they're still looking at their parents and what they had, and they kind of expected it. And then when it didn't show up the same way because the world is changing around them, they're kind of just bitter and pissed off. Not to say that there's not a reason to be pissed off, but they're not doing anything to fix it, in my opinion. Yeah, okay, I see that, and I can agree. 
Sorry, because I, I had to take, the, I, it's, yeah. I had to take the last of the wine. I think that's pee. the overall problem with the right in general. That idea yeah. of like you see there's a problem, but you you just took it. You didn't like act or do anything. And you, I think they're very passive about stuff. They're they're so that you just held on to like something. the left. You know what? You, you I'll, lost, I'll, I'll you lost you, something, and you. I'll just tell held you what. On to I'll, I'll tell you what. The the left, and we talked about this. They're all the uh, BLM and Antifa guys. They're freaking pretty relentless. You know. Right. And that's where a lot of the people, I feel a lot of people on the right respect that about. They it. got passion. Well, it, it's it's not there. That's the one thing they respect. And because they, the for the mo- but they think it's a little bit misplaced. But if you had that energy on both sides, yes. that passion, that yeah. we'd have that war. rage, mm-hmm. open war, <laughs> it would be that'd be a class war. Yeah, but but no, what you what you have is they believe that because they do believe that their values and this concept that they're holding on to is timeless, and it's again they think they're morally right for it. They just expect the rightness of it, the correctness of it to withstand the storm. And I don't think And they've they said that they're on the right side of history. I mean, they've said it themselves. Well, I'm talking about the conservatives are just holding on to it. That's why they're not acting as much because they're kind of just expecting things to work in their favor because they're, they're I mean, not now. Now it's you starting know, to change. I, but I'm saying for the past like 10, 15 years. You know what I think? I think they think what's being pushed now is just so horrible. Yes. I think it's that even more so than like holding. That's just like, hey, but the past, look, everything was traditional. People had. Oh, like no. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely it's a like, push what, back. What are we doing? Well, and like, I think what? you're seeing this on people that used to be kind of centerline um, liberals, mm-hmm. actual liberals. The reason they're starting to lean right is because the shit is getting so wild on the left that they're like, actually, this seems pretty, pretty all right. You know, you, were, you had your house and your wife and kid and, you know, you'd pick a fence and all that shit. So it's it's reigniting kind of, the, which, again, I think that's what Trump fucking campaigned on the first time in 2016, is that there was a reigniting of this yes. Americanism, right? And admittedly, I think that's what got me. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. I just think that when it starts to diminish your creativity and your ability to see beyond that, I think it limits you. It's like if you were born... Yeah, you got it. If, if your like, dad was Indiana Jones and you were born to him and you didn't do shit with your life, but you're like, oh, my dad did this. If you, don't in, if you don't inherit that same spirit and use it in your life, then you effectively let the legacy die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna, like, I know we criticize China a lot on this um, podcast, but there is something to be said that... And I know it's like... Well, I need Jungle. <laughs> no, the... Um, they are looking to the future, even though it is because for military advantage over other countries, but they're doing really well in AI. So yeah. that says something. Mm-hmm. And AI is going to be the most disruptive innovation, innovative technology the world has ever seen. It'll radically change the, the way the, the world works. And I think Andrew Yang, for example, has a, a, point. a, a point with UBI. So that's all I'm going to say about China because I was thinking yeah, about how yeah, I know. they're looking to the future at least and we're looking a bit to the past. I think China's looking to the future in, in inter-country relationship in the big way. I think they're sowing seeds to be harvested in like 50 years. Yes, we'll see what happens. But, you know, as much as they criticize them, I mean, if the U.S. did what they did and they poured all their t- all our resources into innovating and, and being like how it used to be, right? The The... The forefront of technology and even social movements, 
right? The women's rights movement started in the, I don't know, people like that were talking about that in that commercial, the SAS. I mean, the U.S. used, like you said, the the beacon on the hill or whatever. Some people see the U.S., want the U.S. to be that way, the beacon of hope. You know, and we still are. We we still in a ter- lot of people still see in terms of way. social movements, in terms of technology, in terms of world influence. Well, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that there's some people who want that to still continue. I'll say I'll say it's good. I think if America pulls its head out of its ass and it does as it should, I, I think it's good if it remains a world leader. I'm gonna go ahead and be well because we're American. If we're gonna say that, well, no, I mean, I, I, well, would, well, I know, I, I know other countries that feel the same way. Well, especially the Hong Kongers think that way, but even more than them. Yeah. I know, I know that other countries recognize in themselves that they do a lot of stuff inspired by America's, you know, founding principles, but they don't do it to the same extent that America does, because they have other considerations, be it cultural. Um, political or or financial they don't do it to the same extent america does right and it's part of the reason that we came as a nation of immigrants with a lot of different backgrounds that we united around our american creed well around our um bill of rights yeah around our declaration um you weren't here for the american creed episode you should have been here yeah i wasn't there for that yeah we the unifying cohesion cohesive force yeah, it's it's these founding principles that make us America life, like, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, I, other I, other countries they have other things that get in the way of that, or they have to make compromises. We don't, and we shouldn't. And that's that's kind of where I'm. I I never used to be just sitting on America's dick like I I seem to be right yeah. now. But I, I really think that. That is why America is in the position it's in. It's not because of post-war prosperity as much as it is. Well, you know, this is an experiment too, by the way, like the the American experiment. And that's the most important thing to pass the torch with. Absolutely. I don't think these are, I I don't think these are, I think these are timeless values. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. But. Sounds first worldly, I know. Yeah, timeless, yes. But now I think I believe the left is pushing away from that. In a lot of areas, on a lot of issues, for ver- for various reasons. Well, no, yeah. no they have their for, reasons for though. We, reasons. we can't. I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, so I don't want to. I don't. Pers- I know that they have their reasons because and I know the, they're convicted. They're seeing it from a different perspective. The they, perspective they feel is that, that, that it's morally better to do that. I feel it's morally worse to do that. I feel that you are opening but, okay. yourselves up to tyranny by going away from these values in the pursuit of whatever it is, be it safety or equity or you know anything. I think it. I personally, I'll be the one to say it. I'm, I'm taking a side on that one. I think if you are taking a position that moves you away from these, not even American values, but these, these are human values. These pinnacles, these yeah, human these, values. These pinnacles of human values. Wherever you, I think I know it. Like it sounds like Americanism and exceptionalism to the max. We've been talking about all these things, but I think these are timeless human values. I don't think that. I think life, liberty, the the pursuit of happiness—that's the human certain experience. Values, certain values can conflict with each other at different stages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So life and liberty—that's mm-hmm. the abortion thing. Li- literally, liberty over life, or uh, up, life to over interpretation. Liberty. Yeah. up to interpretation. Uh-huh. But yeah. But if you're being literal, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're being literal, yeah, it's yeah. life versus liberty. Sure. Yeah, I c- I could see that, but it's, uh, yeah. 
and that's uh, that's interesting. It's kind of like a. But you know what? Not really. Guess- Not really, because if you take it, if you take it a step further, and I know fucking super conservative here right but but you had the liberty to not make the decision that led you to that with exceptions but generally you you still should maintain that liberty sure but i'm saying like that's the argument against that what are you you pro-choice no 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 no, no, but but (laughs) this is the argument about jumping off a cliff you had the liberty to jump or not jump but once you jump you no longer have the you made a choice which sacrificed your liberty to not fall and die on the ground, mm-hmm. right? This is the, this is one of those free will, like religious things. Versus determinism. Heard. Well, in, especially in a religious sense, like when they talk about the concept of sin, like sin from one definition of sin in the religious context is, it is making using your free will to choose to do things that then limit your free will, and the further into debt you kind of find yourself, the deeper into sin you go. So you look at this in terms of like the concept of smoking. A lot of people are split in the religious community over where smoking tobacco is a sin or not, right? The argument that it is a sin is that it's not so much a sin to do it, but once it becomes an addiction, now it's a sin because you have done it to the point that now you no longer have the capacity to stop and therefore it now rules over you. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I think that's, in that case, if we're talking about that topic, it's getting out of proportion. Yes. It should be balanced, and that's pushing it out of proportion. Yeah. I mean, that's that's if you take the hardline life stance, Yes, right? yes. If you but take the hardline, then you can still, I'm saying you can still, if you take the hardline life stance, which I personally don't, actually. Mm-hmm. I actually <laughs> lean more towards the liberty stance. But if you take the hardline with life stance. You can do the with exception. Yeah, exactly. I want to I want to make a disclaimer for people who are on here. I think that when we talk about these things, you have to understand that there um there are nuances and it, there are a lot of multifaceted um yeah. layers in this. And all we're doing is like just we're not saying that one is better than the other. We're just we're saying playing with exploring ideas. yeah different again, ideas the last episode the last episode was to entertain an idea without accepting it. You know, I'm not saying I'm pro abortion or pro anything. I'm just saying. Well, that's that's a good. I was just being maybe a little bit of devil's advocate. Well, and no, I was that's actually. Fi- doing, that's fine. I you should be though. That's the thing. whole yeah. point of this. Because I'm sitting here arguing for like the religious aspect. I'm neither religious in that way, or do I? I actually tend to lean more pro choice. Me too. I think bodily autonomy because we talk about <laughs> autonomy on this podcast. I think. I think I'm, there's. I think that I'm slightly toward, but not totally slight. Not totally, totally like aggressively pro-choice but i'm leaning towards like i think there's exceptions like if I'm, yeah i'm definitely with exception for you example you shouldn't be allowed to for, kill your child right yeah but and then you can work that down to but like, if a girl gets yeah. raped by well, you know yeah and yeah, that's one of the exceptions. Low, low-hanging fruit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i i feel what you're or, saying or she might die because you know there yes. for some reason yep. the the yep. baby is gonna yeah. Th- these Those are, ones are easy. These like, are the two aboutisms. Yeah, yeah. yeah then I, you get into like not, eh, you're I got, just thinking I got if drunk. you want it. Well, I got drunk. I had sex. We didn't think of a condom because we were faded, and now I'm getting a kid. But I'm in no position to fucking raise this kid. I'm going to be more in poverty because of it. We're giving this kids you, going to grow up in poverty. Because I just want to show that we're giving yeah, different flavors that. of the ice cream. And here. then there's the then there's the girl. Uh, man, fuck this baby! I don't want it ruining my life. Yeah. Oh no 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 no. Where they use where they happens at all? Where they use um, abor- abortion abortion as a contraceptive as a con almost as a contraceptive at the expense of the taxpayer. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I don't believe you should. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. The, the, so the that, taxpayer argument is where you you lose me. <laughs> I don't think I should, like. You exactly. can have all the abortion. Well, and well, you are you you're saying you're pro. You would be okay with your taxes going to like abortion clinics? No, no, not really. That's what I'm I saying. Mean, I'm talking. If you are saying it should be private, about, uh, and it would probably be better. No, what's, if, what's it called? Like, uh, um, what what are the fucking clinics called that everyone's upset about? Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. I don't have a problem with paying taxes for Planned Parenthood. I really don't. Fucking whatever. But well, at the I, same, I don't because it's such a like if they give community classes and controversial tell girls issue, especially for a lot of people who are very religious. It's really yeah, but it's like why an extreme moral? What that their taxes argument. are going to, to yeah, like really yeah, I, but like, I mean you're so you're paying technically you're paying for okay. It. Well, take it on the other side. A super pacifistic lefty fucking he's paying taxes and it's going to the military industrial complex yeah mm-hmm. yeah you have yeah. to think of it that uh, aspect yeah your taxes go to shit that you don't have control over that's what sucks about taxes or money going to israel even though they're a nuclear power and what they're doing to the palestinians right some people have their own reasons to be against something that's all i'm saying i would i'm not i don't necessarily believe in that but yeah I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there so people know that there, these are belie- a lot of perspectives. These are beliefs that some people have. I'm not saying that I you, personally believe in that, you, right? You don't need to get hardline on stuff. I mean, here. personally, for Israel, I think, um, I mean, like, they are, like they, are they are, they are, they are one of the. You can say it. There are. I'm, I'm in the fence. I mean, they're, they have, they add a lot of value to the world. They are good in AI. They're good in informatics. I mean, they created the USB. I, I, I like, think we should. I, like pro- I think we should. We should somewhat pr- protect them, and not even from a religious aspect. But at the same time, I think they can protect themselves. You know, that's just how I see it. I'm not yeah. super extremist on either side. I'm not that invested. Some people from a religious aspect will say we need to protect Israel. And that's the traditional aspect, I guess. Well, <laughs> I I heard it best a guy in the military because I asked him why. I was like, why? Why do we have to do that? And he's like, because we said we would. And I think there's stock. And in also, it. I think it's a nation and, if we make. And also, it's also, but historically too, we've protected them since World War II and to well, just since suddenly their inception. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's that idea of the historical relationship. Just like if we turned our back on England or France, you know, and some people felt like the Trump kind of screwed over. I don't know. I don't agree with that, but some people see it that way. Screwed over who? I don't know. Uh, with the Paris Accords or something? No. I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why they say that. But no, no. Just like no, no, with NATO that we want them to pay for more when we should be paying for it. There's some people who believe that. Just like us joining the Paris Accords don't really do anything. It's just like a pledge to do a thing. They weren't meeting what they agreed to. That's all. No, nobody was. Yeah, nobody was. This became a diatribe because now we're talking about (laughs) emissions. So we should stop this because then we were talking about wait a minute, but what about China's emissions? But then you have that aspect where people are talking about, well, they only have these emissions because you're driving because the American consumerism is driving up that that um, those emissions in the first place to create products. China's because got some pretty intense consumerism, guys. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> like consumerism is. I'm just yeah, saying that there's an. I'm just saying nicely. that there's an aspect for everything. It's very. It's like to keep up with all these aspects. Like it's. You need it's it's there's helpful. A lot of, there's it's a lot of freaking aspects. You, there's a lot of aspects. Sitting with your friends. And playing devil's advocate is good because if you just say something that has a weak fucking argument, then you're investing in bullshit. Like, if there's a weakness, you should fucking test the weakness. This is what we say about conservatism, about classicalism, neoclassicalism, and about romanticism and leftism, everything. 
you should be able to hold it to the fire. Yeah. And, and if it burns up, it's not good. You know what? And, and we in a lot of ways, more. right now, I'm just questioning my yeah, beliefs. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting here, de- like I like I was saying, I'm over here e- defending e- ego, ego death. Yeah. I'm over here defending uh, abortion, and I, as and I was I, saying, I, and yeah. I, I don't subscribe to that. But there's an argument to be made there that you can have both life and liberty. Even if you get it, you you can still say, well, it's, Ari- it, that Aris- can be a hardliner and still say liberty is important. Aristotle can, would be proud. We're all that's we're exactly all playing what de- it is. we're all playing devil's advocate. We're drinking wine. You we can, got our wine jar here. You can passionately argue for something you don't agree with. You should be able to. You should be able to. I, I think no, re- just you know why to see it to its end to yes. see where does it lead and that's where does it lead? It should be for yourself, but it should be it benefits everyone. No, Absolutely. really, because you, you know what? Sometimes when you lose an argument, you do kind of feel bad. and You're like, wait a minute. But then you realize maybe, you know what? It's not about winning. It's about growing. It's about growing. And you're wondering, you know what? Maybe I am wrong. Yes. Yeah. We can all be wrong. I've done that plenty of times. There's for example, Einstein was wrong about black holes. He, he, he argued against their existence. Yeah. And guess what? We know they exist. We have pictures. And guess what? He was one of the most brilliant physicists to ever exist. Some people are just wrong. Some, you know, I, I, you know what? If you're wrong, you're wrong, man. Who cares? You know, we're just some just some uh, faded guys <laughs> talking shit on the uh, on the podcast. All right, you know what? We should do one more episode and play devil's advocate. I'm um, end this. We've been playing devil's advocate. Yeah. <laughs> like, play, play <laughs> for, for for most of this, we've been playing devil's advocate. It's funny because a lot of it hasn't even been about romanticism or classic. <laughs> it, it has to an extended thing, like talking about rights and no, but yeah, right, right, left. This is where it ultimately leads. Because like we're not going to talk would, about fucking paintings it, and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no, but we, you know there are some nice paintings though. I do uh-huh. like the Friedrich Nietzsche pe- painting, the Ubermensch painting, where he's just like. And by the way, Ubermensch, people always get scared about that word. Right, but what he's trying he to say. What he's trying to say, the super superhuman was a human without God. That you could still be moral without there being a deity. That's the whole point, the concept of mm-hmm. of the uh, Ubermensch. And, and according to Nietzsche, so it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with religion and being moral without a moral superman, without uh, a, a father, father figure in the sky, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, if you are afraid, you know, that's why I think people also judge things too quickly. You know, you have to try to be detached and just talk to people. I don't know. Yeah, and if it's if you're not, just practice. <laughs> like and say. Well, that's. I hope I'm hoping practice. that if you listen to this podcast, you can practice by commenting on our uh, <laughs> on our videos and podcasts. What I'm trying to say is that I guess what I'm trying to do is the Jungian shadow work. What I mean is that you should entertain ideas, looking at some dark places just to understand people. And maybe having a little bit of ego death, but at the same time, still having an established set of rules that you shouldn't, you know, you should have your lines you don't cross either, you know. And participate. That's what I'm saying. Conversations. And um, that's about it. Yeah. uh, We got any uh, any announcements? Anything? Um, Just uh, hit us up on. What, what are we? What are we? I think we mentioned it earlier, but what are we mainly using? Um, is it Gab? I I check again? them now all pretty. I check the video channels pretty frequently. What What are we not on anymore? Twitter. What? Are we not on Twitter now? Are we still? On we're Twitter? still on. I just don't think. Are don't you, post really. Are we posting frequently on Twitter? Um, I do some snarky comments here and there. That's acceptable. Okay. Look for our snarky comments. <laughs> Look out for the it's, snarky it's Gene, comments. It's Gene dropping salt. <laughs> um, 
Instagram, Instagram I think. Oh, yeah, no, we're going to start posting the pictures of our wine jars, of oh, our yeah. um, our masks and all that. So, you know, just look out for that. We should create a group on Gab. Or join in a group. and then You know what? Like, Maybe we can talk about over. Gab next if you want. Colonize a group. <laughs> all right, we're ending this. Parabellum or yes or no? Parabellum? Uh, look for us on IG. Parabellum? Uh, Parabellum. Wait for us to colonize a group. Back in.